We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com and NetsRepublic.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay, and with me as always, the great Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? I can assure you, Buzz fans, that Nick will not just be talking for 30 minutes about Karis LeVert by himself. I'll be chucking in every now and then. Yeah, Jack will get like two to three minutes in the 30-minute show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm super <laughs> pumped to talk Karis, obviously. That's my guy. I'm really excited. Obviously, a lot of hype this offseason. Before we get into that, though, as a quick reminder, check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Dash Radio and YouTube. As well, just a quick shout-out to OTG and Nets Republic. The guys are putting out great content. Get ready for the NBA season. The staffs are both putting in work with articles, podcasts, and whatnot. But let's get right into Karis LeVert. Obviously, we'll look back at last year. You want a full detailed review of last year. We got that on iTunes. But breakout year, I think, last year. And he showed a lot of new potential with the playmaking, the pick and roll, the interior passing inside. You know, there was a little bit of an injury in February, similar to Rondé. He had that big game, I think, in early March against the Clippers, 27 points, 11 and 19 from the field, you know, five rebounds, five assists. Just a really nice season from Levert. What were your thoughts on last year? Last season, Karis LeVert became the darling of Nets Twitter and the apple of Nick Faye's eye. It was a, <laughs> an absolute breakout in, in so many different aspects. You know, I did two articles personally, one for otgbasketball.com and one for the netsrepublic.com about, you know, his upcoming season. So, you know, there was just so much, uh, it was so much fun analyzing him and, you know, picking him apart because, you know, the, the growth that he's shown and the growth that he is likely to show going into next season, um, He's a fascinating player, and he's going to, his storyline going into 2018-19. And as we kick off Nets basketball in the coming days, uh, Karras is going to be the one to watch. And it's not just Nick Faye who's saying that. It's plenty of people surrounding the Nets and within the Nets. Yeah, and definitely check out those articles Jack wrote. Both really nice in-depth pieces with some nice video content in there too. And I think, like you said, Jack, it was like almost a new experience for Levert because like we saw a good amount in his rookie season obviously came back from injury. But last year, he just opened up some new skills. And like we've mentioned on this show before, 
the fact that he missed so much time in college with injury, getting on the basketball court and getting a feel for his body, I think has really helped. And like you said, the hype coming from the other players, especially the guys just joining the team, very exciting. But looking at the strengths of last season, obviously the versatility offensively, defensively, the passing improved, the pick and roll with Jared Allen, the size he has on other guards. You know, we know that hesitation move is great. The craftiness. What were some other strengths that stuck out for you for Levert? Yeah, his versatility. That was sort of the title of my player profile that I did for the Nets Republic. Um, he led the team in deflections and steals. Just running the second unit and running the floor was a real uh, strength of his. And yeah, that pick and roll passing was probably the highlight for many Nets fans. I know it was uh, on a nightly basis for, for many of us. Uh, he was just uh, really magical to watch him and Jared Allen do their thing. Yeah, and the activity on defense was good. Obviously, we'll talk about the weaknesses in a, in a second, but the consistency needs to improve. But I, like you said, I think that Jared Allen and Karis LeVert pick and roll, especially at times when the Nets weren't playing great, where you got a couple oops from those guys, it always made a little bit more entertaining. Now, on the weakness side, like I said, consistency on D, he has the tools, he had the deflection, he had the steals, he has the length, the wingspan, the versatility, but it's just kind of putting it all together. Obviously, he needs to do a better job of finishing inside, being a little bit more aggressive inside as well, you know, more free throws. And I think shooting-wise, you know, in your pieces that you did for OTG and Nets Republic, you pointed out some of the inconsistencies where he shoots really well from certain spots and then other spots not as great. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily uh, a fault of his mechanics because, you know, he had that early season slump that we sort of talked about, but then he got into a, a real nice rhythm. And I think that that's what we're likely to see. He's spoken about that with reporters about the his confidence and him sort of working on his mental game and just yeah. like the, the, the little things. And I think that that was one thing that we heard Rondé sort of talking about uh, before going into the regular season. And that's where we saw a massive jump from him. So to hear him sort of showing that maturity and that engagement, I think that in terms of his defense, a lot of it was, basketball IQ and with that um, basketball IQ you know experience is definitely a big correlation so I think with experience we're going to see you know hopefully less lapses less lapses in the pick and roll less lapses one-on-one because he has all the tools to be a really great defender and yeah getting to the free throw line and the three-point shooting I think both of those things are real areas where he can continue to take a jump. Yeah, and defensively, you mentioned the pick and roll. I think getting over picks, that was something that really bothered Kenny last year. We didn't do that great. And like you said, with the basketball, I think that's something that's going to really develop and studying film should help. And I also like the point you pointed out about the mental thing. You know, being confident in yourself, he said putting in the work really makes him feel better and more confident in his ability. And I think he's been working very hard this summer. Now, looking at areas that you think he needs to improve this year, what do you got, Jack? Yeah, getting to the free throw line, I think uh, consistency on both ends of the floor, especially defensively uh, and three-point shooting. Uh, we mentioned sort of his, uh, not I guess erratic might be too strong of a word, but erratic nature from around the arc. There were some spots um, that sort of top left elbow, sort of part, top left part of the arc, uh, similar to what LeBron James had, where he was, you know, really comfortable there and looked really smooth even off the dribble. Um, so for me, it's about sort of finding consistency in all areas of his game. And you know, I think consistency generally comes with age and maturity. So I think going into his third season, it's going to be another sort of, uh, we've seen the sort of breakout year of sorts, but it could be uh, a real jump for him going into 2018-19. Uh, yeah. And like you said, Jack, stronger when he's attacking the rim. You know, when you're a younger player, you don't necessarily get the respect. And the word is he's been putting on weight. He seems stronger in practice. You know, finishing around the rim, I think we mes- mentioned on the season uh, review that he could work up on his layup package, you know, get a little bit more crafty, some more scoop layups in there, especially with that wingspan. And then imp- improved three-point shooting, like you said, off the dribble as well. Defensively, the steps are there. The versatility is there. You know, the tools are there. Zach Lowe even mentioned, I think, Harris Averis, a guy who could potentially be an all-defensive player in the future. You know, that pick-and-roll D is a definitely an area he'll need to improve and like you said the more free throws and overall just being more controlled and polished 
you know, like you said, when you get older, you get a little bit mature, you feel a little bit more comfortable on the floor. I think that's something we'll see from Levert this year. Now, how can his teammates and uh, his coaches help him improve this year? Yeah, I think the signs and that we've sort of heard, as I've mentioned, on pretty much all the buzz pods uh, are pointing to a switching style of defense, which I think will benefit Karras almost probably the most on the roster. You know, his ability to sort of use his lateral quickness and athleticism and physical tools. Also, I think putting him in lineups alongside Fareed, as well as Allen and Davis, I think will help him with his pick and roll play. His pick and roll passing, those guys I'm sure will, will benefit greatly. And then also surrounding him with the appropriate shooters should help further too. So, you know, if you've got guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Shabazz Napier, Trevion Graham, Jared Dudley, uh, Joe Harris, Alan Crabb, all those guys can shoot the three at a decent rate. And if he's in those sort of lineups, I think it allows Karras to have a little bit more space, a little more breathing room for when he's taking those types of shots. So I think all signs are pointing that uh, the coaching staff and the teammates will have a big effect on him. Yeah, and this will be similar to what we said about D'Lo. Like you said, you know, having Ed Davis, Kenneth Fareed, Jared Allen, you know, guys, uh, different guys to run the oops with. Then also having a guy like Ed Davis and Fareed and even Jared Dudley setting more picks, giving you more spacing on the floor with more three-point shooters. Having the veterans around, we've already heard the encouragement, you know, off the court from the teammates in the press conferences and whatnot. But I think, you know, getting him, telling him to be aggressive and attack the rim, I think D'Angelo specifically, that being his friend, kind of telling Kara, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And we've heard a lot of that in practice. So I think kind of just making sure Kara stays aggressive when attacking the ball. And I think as a team, if the Nets run a little bit more in transition, Karras being one of the faster players on the team, I think that would help him get some more easy buckets. I also would like to see Kenny drop some late plays for him. I think there was games last year where Levert was really dominating or was really hot, and they didn't really look to go to him late. You know, obviously all the clutch numbers for the Nets weren't positive, but I think giving him some confidence in that way would help him take his game to another level. Yeah, I think confidence is everything when it comes to the game of basketball. Uh, there was a sort of a topic that Nick and I, uh, JBT Nick and I spoke about on Just Ball Things recently about how Gilbert Arenas was talking about how if you're given the green light and the coaches give you the green light and the confidence that it can transform your game, in, game entirely. And I think that's going to be the case for Karras because Coach Kenny loves to give the green light. He loves to instill the confidence. And I think as our team matures, Karras LeVert is on the rise. And I think that the coaching staff are on the rise as well. It's um, a nice sort of correlation. Uh, I've used that word too many times. I need, I need to hit up Synonyms. It's, a, it's a good word, though. I know. It's a, it's a fun word to say as well. But um, he's, he's rising and the team's rise. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch throughout this year. Yeah, it's really exciting just, you know, obviously having a guy you see as a rookie and you have confidence that he's going to turn to a great player. And it seems like he's taking all the necessary steps to get to that level. Now, an interesting question, which has been a lot of talk on Nets Twitter, will LeBert be a starter or a bench player? Yeah, the hardest one to pick, Nick. Um, there's already talk of him starting, as you mentioned, that uh, with Rondé recovering from the injury. We mentioned the Rondé episode as well. Um, I, I think that I'd like to see him as a starter. Uh, I know you would uh, vehemently, <laughs> ag vehemently agree. Um, I'm using some big words today. But uh, I think that it, him as a starter just gives him that uh, tick of confidence from the coaching staff. It's like, we believe in you. We want you to sort of you know, be a real key point of our, our success next season. Now, uh, if he's in and out of the starters, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. And even if he doesn't start from day one, I don't think it's necessarily uh, going to be a bad thing going forward because I think that by the end of the season, we will see him crack that rotation in terms of when it comes to the stars. And D'Lo and Karras, I'm sure plenty of Nets fans will be happy seeing that side uh, when the names are announced uh, at Barclays and beyond. Yeah, I'd be super happy if I'm going to opening night at Barclays and they announce Karis LeVert in the starting lineup. I think it's a real possibility. Like I've said on the fan edition of Brooklyn Buzz, 
I'm more into uh, the minutes. You know, if he's getting starter minutes, I'm cool with that. If he's not necessarily in the starting lineup, as long as he's getting the big minutes that he deserves. I think, though, confidence-wise, like you mentioned before, would be a big boost for him to get in there, especially if it provides the versatility. You know, he gives D'Lo another ball handler. He gives him some shooting. He gives him some defense. If he's, like, really improved the way that everyone's talked about in training camp, there's no reason he shouldn't be starting. It'll just be who do you take out of the starting lineup to get him in there. Yeah, I think that the likely logical replacement would be Rondé uh, and Tamari towards the end of the season. Uh, again, as we said on the last episode. Um, so I think it's just about the fifth. Yeah, like you mentioned, D'Lo, Karras, does he play the two? Does he play the three? Uh, if Karras' three-point shot is good enough, then I'm I'm sure he'll play alongside. And as if he's defense as well, because he's that sort of perfect, you know, defense offense. You know, we know we know D'Lo's off, uh, defense isn't his strong suit. Uh, Karras, you know, has those capabilities and has those sort of assets that, should make him a good defender, as we've mentioned. So uh, I, I think that you know, at the two or the three is, is another interesting question of where we see Dillo. He has all the size to sort of play multiple positions. Even you know, Damari Carroll has mentioned in the past that he could play small ball four. Uh, we heard Coach Kenny saying that there's four guard, four guard lineups as experimenting oh, so with <laughs> at training camp. So you know, those four guard lineups, we saw the three guard lineups with Portland because so many of our guys have such great size about them, and with the work that they put in this offseason. Uh, this preseason is going to be fun to watch to see how all those things are put into practice. Yeah, exactly. And I think having the versatility and then also having like a really solid guy inside, like an Ed Davis, who is just like a true center with that strength and power and the ability to rebound. It kind of allows you to play smaller sometimes. And I think Karras could develop a nice relationship with him too. I just see just a lot of positives with this new roster and Levert making all those jumps. Now talking minutes though, Jack, where do you see his minutes at? Yeah, last season at 26.3, Nick. So uh, still a very nice number for a guy, uh, for a team that didn't have anyone crack that 30-minute mark. I think that if anyone's going to take a big jump, then it's going to be Karis LeVert. So he could push that 30-minute mark. I don't know if he'll crack it, but he'll certainly near it, whether it's 28, 29. Uh, Obviously, the numbers... Uh, speak volumes to, to so many people, but I think it's more about the quality of minutes, like you mentioned. Is he out there in the death? Is he out there to start games? Uh, is he there in clutch situations? Uh, are we running plays through him? I think it's more about the the role that he's, that he's playing within the team rather than the minutes, so to speak. Yeah, I think he should be over a, a shade over 30. I don't think it has to be like super high, but I think he's a guy on the team that has enough versatility offensively and defensively where you can slot him in, like you were saying, two, three, four at sometimes. You know, I think their minute should be there. And then offensively, he provides something that a lot of the other nets don't have, and that's versatility in terms of he can pass, he can score, he can shoot, and then he can actually defend on the other end. So it's something to really keep an eye on in terms of his minutes. I know last year at the end, we were advocating for more minutes because there was times where I felt like he didn't get enough. It was more so me than you. <laughs> but um, I think... 30, 30 minutes should be where he hits. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit a little bit more. Do you think Karras could have the highest minute count on the Nets next year? Uh, I think that that's still likely to be D'Lo if healthy. Um, but I certainly think that he cracks that top three. Um, you know, we saw Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb, I believe, were the top two uh, that I've mentioned before. I think Crabb is probably likely to be in that top three as well. Um, I've, I mentioned on the previous episode that Damari should take a decrease if all things do go well for Karis LeVert. So I think that Karis does, you know, pick up that extra load, pick up that extra minutes load from a guy like a Damari Carroll and some of the vets on the roster. So I think that that 30-minute range uh, will be around the mark. But I think if D'Lo is healthy, he's likely to be the number one uh, minutes, average minutes played per game. Um, but it, it could be, it, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that's not the case. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think he'll be top three, and there's a possibility he could finish at one or two, depending on how everything breaks out. It's really it'll be interesting to see what he looks like on the court with all the hype we're hearing off the court. But usage rate, what do you expect? Yeah, so 22.5% last season. I think that number will take a jump uh, because guys like Shabazz Napier, Spencer Dimley don't need the ball in their hands as much. They can very much play off ball. Karras generally works best with the ball in his hands, but he does have the offensive capabilities to use his speed and some sets of screens, some back screens and get to the rim and such. But again, you know, within the pick and roll, he works very well. So I think that we can might see a little bit of a jump where that's a 25% sort of range. Uh, but again, as long as he's taking care of the ball effectively and using it wisely, then the percentage doesn't necessarily matter. But I, I think we will see an increase because as the minutes increase, generally the usage does as well. Yeah, I think we'll see a slight bump, like you said, Jack. Obviously, the success in the pick and roll and the word at practice and training camp is no one's really been able to guard Levert, and that's the case. Then you know you'll see a couple more isolations in some situations where you know he's trying to take his guy one on one and putting some points on the board. Now, predictions on a stat line for the season. Yeah, Nick, uh, we can't do like twenty ten and ten, unfortunately for you. <laughs> um, but I'll I was go with. 10 and 10. No, I'm just oh wow! Wait. <laughs> Uh, we don't, we're doing uh, Spen Simmons, uh, Russell Westbrook numbers here. <laughs> but um, I'll go with uh, 14 points per game, uh, five assists per game, uh, and four rebounds to go with 1.5 steals. I think that the steal rate is, is one thing that's really fascinating to me. Um, you know, a guy like Victor Oladipo, who uh, Corey, uh, Corey Waldron has really marveled at in terms of his defensive capabilities. You know, I think that he was averaging like a, he got a steal like per game for like the entire season, nearly. Um, I think that if Karras can be really active on that end, uh, it's going to be a really fun start to see to see where that steals per game number is. But uh, I'm sure you might have some higher numbers. But for me, as long as they're effective numbers and, you know, we see that three-point percentage take a little bit of a jump uh, and he's, you know, uh, limiting those turnovers, then for me, the numbers aren't necessarily. It'll be a byproduct of what he's putting out on the floor. Yeah, my numbers are actually not far off from yours. I got 16 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, a little bit under two steals. I think field goal percentage-wise, we're looking hopefully at something around 45 and three-point percentage get to 36, 37 range. Because I remember talking in the season review, we mentioned, you know, if you minus the first month of the season where he was just ice cold and it looked like he was in his own head, he shot somewhere around like 30 or 36 or 37 for this season. So, so no reason he can't do that after another year of off-season work and more confidence. Yeah, that spot that I was sort of speaking about around the perimeter, he shot about 37, 38% from that mark. So if he can bring that to, obviously, he'll probably take his shots more than likely from that spot anyway, because if you're talking about the corners, that's generally where you see the fours and the fives. Jared Allen will be playing. Kenneth Fareed might be playing a little bit over there as well in terms of the, his sort of vertical spacing. So if Karras can continue his ascendance there, 37, 38% would be uh, absolutely remarkable from him. But yeah, 36%, 37% would be a nice little jump. Yeah, I expect to see some of the threes come off the dribble. Not a ton, but we saw him really work on that at the end of last season, especially with Jacques Vaughn, who seems to be like the coach that really takes, you know, takes work with Karras. So I think that would be something to keep an eye on, how he does off the pull-up threes and off the dribble and whatnot in that area. And that's obviously huge when you can run a pick-and-roll successfully with a guy like Jared Allen. You're going to get some space, and if they don't cover you properly, you're either going to get the three or you're going to hit Jared Allen for a noop. So that could just cause all types of problems for the defense. Any other yeah, stats I you're thinking uh, for Levert, though? No, I was actually going to uh, reinforce your point because in the Nets Republic piece that I did on uh, Karis Levert, I, I mentioned his uh, three-point percentage on the different sort of shot types. So catch and shoot, he was at 37.3%. Off one dribble was his highest at 39.1%. Interesting. The, 
then two dribbles was 38.5%, then three to six dribbles and the pull-up was 28.6 and 31.1. So those are those areas where we can see a real improvement. Um, he's not necessarily going to be James Harden, but I think that he uses that one or two dribbles just to get his rhythm. Uh, I, I remember watching a lot of sort of uh, individual video on when he would make those threes. He would take one dribble, then take it. It seems to me that that's sort of an area of comfort for him. Uh, obviously, teams might scout for that going forward, but you've mentioned his work that he's been doing with Jacques Vaughn in the offseason. So hopefully he can have that sort of versatility and that variance in his game, that it can be a weapon from no matter what, how many dribbles he's taking. And, you know, if the catch and shoot, uh, it can also increase as well because if he's getting, you know, nice looks from a guy like D'Lo in the starting lineup or even Spencer Dimley, who is a fantastic passer as well. Um, we just want to see a real consistent sort of from day dot from a guy like Carson Vert. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun season to see how everything works out. And talking about another thing he can do in the pick and roll, I think that he'll kind of hopefully worked on this offseason is add to that teardrop in that mid-range area where he's kind of caught in between where like they might be all of a sudden doubling Jared Allen. And he's got him a couple times with like the fakes and whatnot. I think that's an area we didn't even mention some of like the shakes and bakes he had last year. I think he dropped Wayne Ellington to the ground on like a three-point shot. So hopefully we see some more of that too. Any questions for me before I throw a, a ton at you? Yeah, Nick, I was going to say, um, do you think we, you mentioned uh, in passing about Zach Lowe's mentioning of him being a possible all-defensive contender? Do you think, what are your, if you're going to give a percentage that he was to make an all-defensive second team, because I think an all-defensive first team would be a massive jump. But if you're comparing to Victor Oladipo, maybe not. But um, how likely do you think that he makes you know an all-defensive team next year or maybe even the season after i think it would be more likely the season after because i feel like with those type of awards it's almost like you need to earn respect for one whole season and yeah, then the next true. season you kind of get the props i think i would i would give it um let's give them 40 percent for not this season for the following season to make okay. me like all second defensive team i'm not saying it's a 50 50 chance but if he puts the tools together like we know the length is there he's added the size he seems to have the energy and effort defensively in the right mindset just like you said before kind of some of those mental lapses that's something that comes with maturity and confidence and putting in more work i think there's a real possibility with the length especially the nets are doing this switching thing where he's guarding guys one through three and we saw him last year have to guard point guards at times or the team's other best perimeter player do you think uh, now I got a question back for you, Jack? Actually, what are your thoughts on that percentage wise? Yeah, I think that I'll probably bring it down a little bit to 30%. Um, I still think that there are so many great defenders. I got the 10% defenders. bias, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there are so many great defenders in today's game. But I think Karis LeVert has all those capabilities. It's about the basketball IQ and his sort of level uh, of smarts and how he sort of translates that into his play. Does he make those sloppy little mistakes? Does he give away those dinky little fouls? Does he erase those from his game? If he does, then I think that that 40% that mark is absolutely achievable and within grasp. But for me, I, I need to see it proven uh, before I can sort of be as confident as you are. But he does have all the capabilities. And yeah, he has that versatility in terms of his his wingspan, his size. Uh, and obviously, you know, the scheme going forward is going to benefit him greatly. The one thing that I think I would be maybe a little bit nervous about that may, made me take my percentage down would be how much you're asking to do offensively too. You know, if they're asking to do a lot offensively, he's putting up over 15 points per game or closer to 20 or something, you know, two seasons from now, then, you know, it's a little bit harder to put as much energy in defensively. So that would kind of maybe impact that. But do you think by the end of the season, he'll be the Nets' best perimeter defender? Uh, yeah. Um... I mean, Trevion Graham's pretty bloody good in, in the time that we saw against Charlotte. And he's already been marked by that, um, remarked about that by um, Coach Kenny in training camp as well. So I think that it depends on the amount of time that we see from Trevion Graham. Uh, but I think that if Carol Silvert isn't the best defender, it would be 
um, a, a misgiving of his, you know, if he's not putting in the work uh, on that side of the floor or if he's being run into the ground, like you said, too much on the offensive side. It depends on the priorities that he's, that he's giving. Um, so I, I would say that he should be. Um, if he is, it's going to be up to him uh, and the coaching staff to make sure that that happens. It's funny. You mentioned Trevion Graham a lot on this show and the previous show, and he's a guy that I'm just like super excited for and to see what he can do. And obviously Charlotte, they just had so many wings. Obviously the Nets have a good amount of depth this year, but I can't wait to do the preview pod on him. But yeah, I think Karras should be the best forward defender if he puts the tools together. And one thing I think Kenny mentioned last season was he had some really good defensive games where he was like picking them up from the other teams on the inbound, you know, from full court. And I think that's something you can really do and frustrate players with that length. And that's something you see from guys. And it really just takes the offense out of sync. And that's something that Karras could possibly do to other teams. Yeah, it's it's about him being able to stay engaged for the full 48 minutes. And obviously, he's not going to be playing 48 minutes per game, but the full 30, 32 minutes, or however many minutes he's playing uh, for this team. So it's going to be about you know that engagement uh, and in terms of being able to eradicate those sort of little things that sort of detract away from him reaching his fullest potential because you know the game's most elite defenders the game's most elite uh, best offensive players and the top 50 players that will be coming out for ogdbasketball.com those guys have consistency on a night-by-night basis and for Kalsever to you know even think about even uh, getting into that sort of uh, stratosphere, he needs to be consistent. And I think you know that's not just a case for him, that's the case for all the guys in our roster 1 to 15. Yeah, no, that's 100%. Anytime you have a young team, I think consistency, it definitely is an important factor. And obviously, hopefully the veterans help them with that. Now, looking at Levert, by the end of the season, I got a couple questions for you, Jack. The Nets will look very smart for not involving him in a Jimmy Butler trade. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that this was brought up or made more popular by the fact that it was on uh, Bill Simmons' uh, podcast with Kevin O'Connor. Um, I, I think that he's a darling uh, of Nets fans, and we we see all the capabilities there. And I think in terms of just how he fits within our scheme and how he fits within our locker room and how he malleable he is in terms of as a player and what he sort of soaks up from the coaching stuff, you know, he's going to be the perfect sort of complementary piece. You know, he could be that sort of Robert Covington, Otto Porter sort of guy that could be a real sort of third piece, the perfect third piece for a team going forward. And those sort of guys, you know, Robert Covington, all-defensive player. Otto Porter, one of the best three-point shooters in the game. I think Carlos Severt has even more variance to his game. Yeah, more playmaking. More playmaking and stuff. So he's a very unique sort of prospect. And that's why this sort of player preview and the articles that we've done and I've done uh, about him are, are such a fascinating sort of thing to research because um, I, I think that, you know, Jimmy Butler... Um, the fact that it's still not over, we were worried about when we were putting out the Alan Crab uh, episode. It's like, oh man, I hope he doesn't get traded. I hope, you know, Tamari Carroll doesn't get traded when we put these episodes out. But, you know, by the time the regular season starts, we could have all these pods out and Jimmy Butler could still be in freaking Minnesota. Who knows? Yeah, that, that's like a whole nother episode. But it seems like that situation <laughs> no is just ugly as hell. Like, I'll give my quick thoughts on it is I think if I was Minnesota ownership, I would clean house in terms of front office and coaching. I just wanted to get that out there (laughs) had the chance I had because it just seems like Thibs and the ownership aren't on the same page or overvaluing Jimmy Butler. It kind of seems like it's going to benefit the Nets for not getting more involved in that trade and moving one of their guys and obviously not moving Levert because like you said, I think he could really be one of the core pieces on a championship type team with the versatility, not only offensively, but defensively. Now, by the end of the season, do you think Levert will start to get, you know, the respect around the league, not only from Nets fans, from the general NBA? Yeah, it's going to be about if he can, you know, reach that potential or at least start to sort of, you know, scrape the ceiling of it. Um, If we 
talked about all the improvements that he needs to make and if the coaching staff can get in there and you know he can sort of get those numbers his minutes can increase and he can show that consistency then yeah absolutely you know the the, the nets twitter and the nba twitter is a very wide sphere and you know once they get on board with someone then then i'll let them go so i think if and they're a very smart base as well you know um so if Karras can you know, show some consistency and put some more nights in where he's active on both sides of the floor and can be a real two-way player, then yeah, he'll definitely be getting the uh, credence that he deserves. Do you think Karras will help the Nets attract free agents the following offseason? Yeah, I think that he's that perfect sort of piece, like I mentioned, Nick. He doesn't have to be the number one guy. He's not going to command the, uh, a max-style contract uh, as much as you you might want him to, and I might want to think about a guy like Joe Harris. Um, <laughs> he's, he, he's not going to command that sort of big payday. He's the sort of third guy that, that attracts a sort of like 12 to $18 sort of million dollar range, similar to, obviously, we made Otto Porter's uh, number uh, inflate a little bit more. But, you know, he's a perfect sort of third piece. He allows, you know, if we were to get Jimmy Butler alongside Carol Silver, he's a guy that would work well alongside him. Um, you know, there's plenty of free agent talk that are happening. Uh, but obviously, uh, with Boston and, and Kyrie Irving, that situation seems to be solidifying. But as a hypothetical, I think that he is that perfect sort of um, teammate alongside the sort of superstars. Yeah, against like other ball dominant players, and you you mentioned the personality too. He seems to be able to fit with a lot of different guys. Are you confident that Karis LeVert will be one of the Nets' top three players by the end of the season? Yeah, he he has to be. Um, you know, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert. You know, uh, I've mentioned uh, on plenty of occasions, whether it be from the mailbag episodes or just in player preview episodes, that you can roll the dice and you know who knows which one of those guys is going to be the Nets' main guy going forward. Um, at least for for now. Um. D'Angelo has the highest ceiling and the, the biggest potential to be a franchise player. Um, Karis Levert probably has the lowest ceiling because we've seen so much growth from him and his ability that he's already going to be a great player. And similarly, Jared Allen. So I think that if we're putting a percentage on it, I would probably go D'Angelo Russell has a, a, a 50% chance of being our best player. Uh, Jared Allen and Karis Levert. I'll go Jared Allen 30% and Karis Levert 20%. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I maybe, yeah, I think I might bump D'Angelo down just a touch because I think there's always like a little bit of hesitation just with injury and, you know, can he actually put it together on the floor? But I think, you know, right around there. And one positive thing, you know, we've gotten from having different guests or talking with other NBA guys is I've noticed like a lot of people are valuing Karis Levert. I remember Pete Toll came on. He had him as highest potential and his best Nets player. Same thing I know uh, our guy Corey Waldron that I do the outlet with and you got, you're doing the top 50 players with thinks Karis Levert will be the best net moving forward. So there is some positivity out there, not only from us two and the Nets players. But, Jack, any last questions you want to get on Karis LeVert for me? Uh, Nick, I could give you another 30 minutes to talk about <laughs> Karis LeVert, mate. But it is 11 p.m. in Vietnam, and uh, I've got to get some sleep. got to brush my teeth and stuff. So this is a pleasure as always, though, my friend. Uh, pleasure as always, Jack. Always happy to talk Nets. And like we said before, make sure you're checking out OTG and Nets Republic. A lot of great content. Get ready for the NBA season with those two sites. Also, check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, and YouTube. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.